Greetings and welcome to a special episode recorded live in the on-site Stream Commerce podcast and studio at the Los Angeles Global E-Commerce Leaders Forum in early 2023. These episodes are presented by Stream Commerce, a full-service Shopify Plus e-commerce agency delivering world-class Shopify Plus digital storefronts and growth marketing solutions. Stream Commerce can help you navigate the new markets, Markets Pro and Global E-International capabilities native to Shopify and work hand-in-hand to help you drive profitable global sales. And if you have questions about whether or not your international Klaviyo email marketing and paid performance marketing with Meta and Google is working as hard as you are, call the experts at Stream Commerce. They can help you maximize your return. The Global E-Commerce Leaders Forum LA 2023 offered retail professional strategic insights and actionable takeaways about how industry leaders are tackling their top global DTC and cross-border e-commerce challenges and how they are successfully making a case for investing in retail growth. Nisha Oza returns to the podcast on this episode and delivers a social media and influencer management masterclass. Now expanding her expertise beyond fashion and into wellness and better living internationally with Koss, a plant-based nutrition brand, Nisha breaks down the tradecraft of influencer marketing and shares the passion she brings to her craft. Nisha, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing this afternoon? I am great. How are you? It was so great to see you again. You and I met in the early days of Gelf. 2019. 2019. New York City. That's right. So (laughs) this isn't the first time you've been on the mic with me. You were on uh, The Voice of Retail, and now Gelf has got its podcast. We're talking global, and I get to see you again here in the West Coast. So excited. And I was thinking back to when we first Mm -hmm. talked, um, and I remember I said some things that at the time I thought sounded so intelligent, and I look back (laughs) and I'm like, that sounded stupid. I hope I sound more intelligent today. Yeah, I, 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 I have to disagree. I don't usually disagree with my with my uh, <laughs> folks I interview, but I have to disagree. I think you, you did an amazing job. Oh, so I had I get you. you back on the mic. Once. Thank you. So, uh, well, listen, um, I know you a little bit, but folks may not have heard that interview. So tell me about who you are and what you do for a living. Yeah. So my name's Nisha Oza. Currently, I am the head of PR and partnerships for COS, a plant-based, clean mm. nutrition brand. So we're primarily known for our protein powders, but mm-hmm. we also do superfood blends, different capsules, supplements, um, founded in 2018. So mm-hmm. still a relatively new yeah. company. Founders are amazing. Alan Stevens and Tony Stahl, and they've done great things in a really short time. Um, I'm new to the team. So mm. only been at cost for six weeks now. Six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Brand new. You are. Brand new. Freshly yeah. minted. Yes. And it, it's not just the company that's new for me. It's mm. the industry. My, mm-hmm. my whole career background is mm. in fashion. I'm a right. fashion girly from the beginning. Um, so yeah, so this is a kind of new track for me. Now, were you looking to uh, expand your horizon, so to speak? Was it just an opportunity you couldn't resist? I mean, some people like to pick a a lane and stay in it and then develop some expertise. How were you thinking about that? Yeah, I I feel like it's kind of a mix. Mm -hmm. Um, I love fashion. It's my Mm -hmm. first love, and I think I'll always love it. I have had the amazing opportunity to work at so many different types of brands. Mm. So I've been in fast fashion. I've been in luxury, contemporary. Um, I've worked at brands that are based in San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York City. So it's uh, taken me all over the country. Um, I've done apparel, footwear, accessories. So I kind of feel like I I did a lot in that space. Mm. And I, I wasn't by any means getting bored of it or actively saying, ooh, I want to look for something completely new. I'm Mm. over fashion. But um, this opportunity came along. And for me, the 
people and culture of a company are really important. And mm. the more I go in my career, the more I, I realize that about myself. I mm. have to be working with people that inspire me and that I feel like are really kind and mm. cool and kind of quirky. Mm. And when I interviewed at COS, um, just... Yeah, yeah, the pe- the people there that I spoke with, I was like, oh, I could see myself um, mm. it, enjoying it here. And the industry to me was something, it's super new. I'm still learning mm. about nutrition mm-hmm. and all the things that come with it. It's so nuanced, but it's a fun challenge and it's cool doing a deep dive into something where I really have no background um, mm. in my personal life. Definitely during COVID, I started prioritizing my mm-hmm. health and my diet and things more. So um, yeah, now that that's developed into what I'm doing professionally, it's really cool. Um, yeah. You know, I have, I have some experience in the category because I, um, I was a CMO for a, a weight loss company, cool. uh, retailer in, in, uh, in Canada. So, uh, and part of that was supplements and, and other ingredients. And, you know, when I think about your line of product and, you know, where I'm going with this is differentiation versus, and table stakes versus differentiators, you know, for, you know, there's a lot of hope in a bottle basically, right? <laughs> Um, so how do you, how do you, when you think and represent the brand and, and some of this is a bit of unfair cause you've been there six weeks, but I know you, you're, you're already up to speed and you're, you're, you're already tracking I'm to trying. it. I'm trying. I mean, there's a lot to, you said, there's a lot to learn, right? Yeah. And yeah. most importantly, there's a lot to learn between all the different brands on the shelf and coast. So, yeah. you know, you've already spoken to some of the clean ingredients. Is, is that what, what is the winning formula literally and figuratively for the brand? Tell me a bit about that. I'd say one of the things that sets the brand apart, in addition to the fact that the product is amazing, it's plant-based, it's clean, mm. relatively really low sugar content. Mm. Compared it got to be good tasting. I had some this. I mean, you know, listen. Let's <laughs> let's face it. You got to start at your point of it's got to be good. It has to taste good. <laughs> right? um, it's got to. You got to start there, man. Has right? to taste good. So I think the the product is amazing. Um, taste is great. The ingredient list is clean. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it, if you, if you look at our ingredient list, it is, it, it's a really, really good, um, product. And I think from the branding side, which is since I'm the PR person, sure, sure. that's always what I look at. One yeah. thing that's cool about us is we are not quite in that like hyper masculine, mm gym pumping yeah, bro. Yeah. Red, Redcon one kind of, I mean, it's segmentations, of, right? Kind of side. Yeah. Um, and, and we're also not the super hyper feminine kind of brand either with like mm. a lot of the pinks and a lot of the very nurturing kind mm. of tones mm. and voices. We're kind of in the middle. And one of the things that we talk about a lot with the brand is that we're for the for the everyday guy or for the everyday girl. So if you if you kind of look at the the breakdown of our customer, especially our repeat customer, mm-hmm. you'll see it's it's pretty diverse. We have mm. men, we have women, some older, some younger, some who are fitness junkies, some who are just kind of dipping their toes mm. into the water of health trying to get healthier. Versus, yeah, looking for yeah. a better looking for a better option, better yeah, flavor, something different. Yeah, there's there's such a wide spectrum. I'm learning in nutrition mm. of people who like for the pot, you know, since they were 18, they've yeah. been in the gym, they've been eating or clean. new to it because of COVID that got them thinking about it. As you were saying, right. We all started thinking a little bit more about, you know, exactly, our health, right? exactly. So, um, so I think that cost speaks to a lot of different types of mm. people. Um, and that's interesting. I'll, 
I don't know if I got a chance to show it to you, but our branding is really cool. Oh, I'll nice. show you our yeah, packaging. Yeah, yeah. It's animated. We have doodles all over it. Really, it, it's quirky. It's fun. Yeah. It's relatable. No, it so jumps. Off, it, it jumps off the shelf. I mean, you know, yeah. and, and and speaking of jumping off the shelf, so are you both uh, wholesale? Do you have stores? Obviously online. So talk a little bit about how you're distributed. Yeah. So we have a website, cost.com. We mm-hmm. also sell on Amazon. We mm-hmm. sell at Whole Foods, um, CVS. So. We're growing and we're expanding. Yeah. It's super exciting. And now we're here at an international. We're here at Gelf, a global yes. e-commerce leaders forum. So obviously you have a, a, a sense of wanting to do things internationally. In fact, you were on the stage talking about what you do. And then we, we kind of skipped over a little bit what you do and what you're really great at, and, <laughs> and which is this mix of PR and modern PR is really about influence. You know, it's not yeah. great press releases, right? It's yeah. about a whole... Ne- you know, framing a narrative, working with people who share the same kind of vision. Is is that a fair assessment of what you do on a day-to-day basis? And Yeah, the brand? yeah, absolutely. Costs um, is not international yet. Uh, we currently only sell in the U.S. Mm. But um, Well, but... I can't think of a better place to come to start. <laughs> I mean, A, you've already got some experience, but just thinking yeah. of the people here, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty good summary of what I do. Um, I kind of, I would say my real wheelhouse is influencer marketing. And Mm. I have been working in that basically since its infancy, since before it was called influencer marketing, since uh, Instagram first became Mm. recognized as a marketing tool. Um, So it's been over a decade that I've been working with, we were back then calling them bloggers, um, digital writers, different things. Um, Now we call them influencers or creators. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really my wheelhouse. And then as my, uh, career has gone on, I've kind of realized, oh, like there's so many aspects Mm. to this and there there's PR is just like this really, really broad world. So Mm. I've tried to become a little bit more well-versed in, um, more traditional PR because I think that that's really important too. Mm. And working on editorial placements and things like that. We're in Hollywood, so try to get it on set and do some traditional placements, Product placements, yeah. There's so much out there to grab. And one of the things that I was talking about um, on stage earlier when it was me and Jay and Liz speaking is um, I think there's so much conversation in influencer marketing about scalability and how do we scale and how do we grow. Mm. But um, one of the things that I always tell my leadership teams when I, when I join a new company is let's also um, keep in mind that how we quantify is just as important. Mm. Um, mm. What does scaling mean? What does success in influencer marketing or in PR mean? And that's, I'm sure you know, yeah. you're a, you've question. been a CMO, mm-hmm. um, but PR is, it, it's notoriously hard to quantify. Mm-hmm. And I think that now, you know, EMV impressions and reach, um, th- those is, are... Is, is there some benchmarks you said? So I, I, you know, one of the things I did during COVID just for fun, I said, well, I yeah. talk to people about influence, so I'm going to try and be an influencer myself. So yeah. I started, you know, I started my yeah. YouTube barbecue yes, show, right? Yes. And so now I talk to brands who send me their product to use on the show. Yeah, we'll get you some costs, don't worry. I, I love it. <laughs> um, and, and one of them was saying, well, we, we kind of, we sent you a bunch of stuff and we loved what you did with it. But now we're struggling to identify what we got out of not just what you did. And I said, well, I, you know, I got, I'll give you an example and see if this if it resonates with you. Yeah. I said, well, listen, I got collectively over the episodes probably 10,000 views from right. my video. So right. 10,000 people watched the video where right. I cooked with your product right. and showed your product. And if I, you had to buy a, you know, if you had to, had to pay per click on, a, on Amazon or oh, Google, yeah. that would be, you know, pick a number, a nickel. Right. Like pick a nickel. So therefore, you know, for the cost of your product, you probably got, 
you know, a couple thousand dollars. Does that, is that, is that a very rudimentary way? Like, what's your advice to people to how to start, you know, thinking about this? Because obviously, you know, with management teams, okay, I get it, micro-influencers, but we send them a lot of stuff, but what do we get out of it versus, you know, other more trackable things? How do you, Lisa, that's a big question. No, Sorry, no, no, I'm going no, totally, totally. I, I love that question. I could, I could geek out about this yeah. forever. Um, but I definitely think that, uh, one thing that I've seen with a lot of brands, because mm. um, I've done consulting for a lot of really small businesses right. too, and um, I see a lot of leadership teams that they bring on someone to you know manage influencers or manage affiliates or do PR or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. it is, um, and I think that they, as they should, right? Money is king, mm-hmm. um, but they're they kind of immediately look at every partnership as, okay, ROI, I spent $1,000. I want to see $5,000 in D to C like sales. A, like a ROAS kind of like you apply to a pay per click, right? Yeah. And, and the ROI conversation, it's important. And I, and I get it. And I've, I've been at some brands mm. where we've really, really crushed it from the ROI or the ROAS perspective. Um, but one of the things that uh, Liz and me and uh, NJ were talking about earlier is that there's all these other really important things to look at when we're measuring the success of an influencer. So now one thing that I do just when I'm thinking about a strategy um, and thinking about building out like, okay, 2023 for costs, what does it look like? I don't really look at, Mm. Ooh, okay. Micro influencers under 10,000 followers. So we're going to pay all of them $500 to do like a preset, you know, predetermined Mm. set of deliverables, mid tier influencers under 200,000 macro a million and above and I don't look at it in terms of following follower numbers really anymore. I mm. more so look at who is a converter, who has sales influence, whose manager can give me case studies of, hey, this prior brand partnership that she did with X brand, she drove a 5X ROAS, you know, off of mm. her Insta story. Mm. Then there are some girls who have a million followers. Their, their, their audience isn't really converting and buying off of them, but they produce the most beautiful mm. content. And that content is going to really draw people in if I leverage it on this site or and if I leverage good. it on email marketing. So yeah, there, interesting, there's interesting. other things to look mm. at too. And there's, there's a lot of And layer to be said. on fashion versus, you know, an ingestible, right? A food product. Totally. That's a very different vibe. I mean, different I, conversation. You know, I think, actually, I think you and I were talking about this where, you know, you could have a million followers, but maybe half of them are just following you because you're pretty and they're not totally, really buyers. Totally. And, but in, in this nutraceutical thing, it's a little, you know, I, I also think there's the, the, the risk and maybe this isn't risk. Maybe this is opportunity to you. Well, I'm going to do something you didn't imagine I would do with your product. I'm going to make brownies out of it, or I'm going to make, you know, something different out of it. And they it's, make cool killer content and it goes viral. Mm-hmm. And as it goes viral, then you might see That's a little hope, bit of a right? pickup in yeah. sales. You can't always attribute that to the influencer mm-hmm. though, but that doesn't mean that that halo effect isn't happening. There's things like TikTok, right? That algorithm is so all over the place. So sometimes someone's going to post a TikTok video and you might be like, oh my God, I paid this influencer $5,000 to post a TikTok. It hasn't done anything. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden you see a spike in the sales 
whatever, three weeks later because that, mm. you know, it, it hit the right wave right. in the algorithm way later. And yeah. then that sales pickup happened later. Um, and obviously now like the, the landscape is so much more sophisticated. Mm. So we have really advanced um, influencer marketing platforms and we have affiliate links and, and trackable links. We have discount codes. So we do have ways to quantify sure. it. But I, I like to always inform leadership teams that, hey, it is not just about we put $5,000 into influencer marketing this month. If we made 15K plus, that's a win. If we made anything less off of the discount codes, that's a failure. Um, there's a lot of other things to look at, including content. How are you leveraging mm. the content and awareness, elevation of your brand? And, you know, brand awareness is such a real thing. It is not quantifiable. It's but hard that to break effect, through, right? It's hard. hard. I mean, hard there's, a, there's a lot of noise that people are dealing with. Yeah. Consumers have bombarded with content, right? I mean, it's hard to break through. It's hard to break through. You know, let me ask you this question. So I I spent some time with a big international brand, and and they put out standards for influencers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm based in Canada, right? So, you know, A, we got 10 to 1, just just for starter, right? We got 10% of the population. So I saw these, okay, your minimum, you mentioned some numbers about a micro-influencer, 10,000 followers or whatever. And I'm like, hey, 10,000 followers is is a different tier in this country and around the world. They're going to be different tiers. So are you starting to think about that? Like the definitions are going to move around. Like you could have, you know, listen, in Canada, if you've got 1,000 followers, but you're the right person doing the right things. But that might be, you know, you might pass them by if you just set a metric of they got to have a number. How do you think about that? 100%. Yeah, that's why I really try to move away now from the thinking of, ooh, like, let me have this pyramid in my strategy deck, right? Micro is 10K and under. Mm Mid-tier is 100K and under. And then base everything, Mm. performance, expectations, budget, everything around that. I don't look at that. I love the point you just brought up about Mm. how 10K can mean something really different in in one country compared to another. That's huge. Um, the prior role I was in is an Australia founded company. Mm -hmm. Um, so we have a really big presence in Australia and the way that our Australia team looked at, um, very similar, very similar to Canada, right? Similar similar. geography, similar kind of population base, very, you know, very similar kind of, you know, it's just very different now. Very similar. Um, do you, do you work with agencies or do you have these people individually? Like I'm just getting in a bit of the trade craft. No, no, no. I I love it. I love it. Um, I, I have it all. Um, I work with agencies. I'm very fortunate to have a lot of contacts at killer agencies mm. that like they just they've been in the space as long as I have and we've grown together and I've worked with them for years and years and um, and they represent uh, groups or, you know they're same very way a good traditional at- talent agency. yeah, they represent influence there are mm. so many influencer agencies out there now and yeah how do you so you 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 got the benefit of doing this a long time so <laughs> there could be people listening who said listen you know i i a there's a look i'm the marketing director this is part of my portfolio i don't have expertise in it how do you pick an agency is it just the, like you pick any other agency right fit right profile and all those things is that that's a big yeah i it, it's a lot of things i mm. i will say for me I try to just always follow what's working. So mm. my prior role when I was purely um, my my performance, my bonus, my team's bonus, when everything was based on ROI, not cost, a prior company, um, we had one influencer who we paid and she just knocked it out of the park. Mm. Like she sold so, so many units based off of one Instagram story. Mm. Um, I got to know her manager a little bit better after that. And I said, look, like who, who are your other girls that you're representing? Like she really killed it for us. Um, and they represented just a, a, a sector of creators that, 
fit perfectly with mm. our brand. And they all had really similar demographics. They all had that insane conversion power. Um, and, and so I, again, like with her, I just followed what worked. So I definitely don't go into agency relationships, like striking big deals, being mm. like, Ooh, you guys are exclusive agency. And like, we're going to work. It, it doesn't work like that. You really have to pick and choose what's working. So mm. I, I so you don't have a, an AOR, so to speak, relationship. You, yeah. You kind of, it, and that's common in the industry? Like, it, it's, I've seen a lot of brands mm. do it where they, they maybe have two or three agencies mm. where they're just like, we're going to source all our creators from here and do all our partnerships here. I try to, each agency has their specialty. So we have one agency, for example, right now at Cost that we work at. And that guy I've, I've known now for a couple years who runs it. His background is in like data analytics, growth marketing. So mm. when I'm going after, when I'm trying to hedge bets on who's going to drive revenue, mm. I go to him and I say, I don't, I don't know growth. I don't know data yeah, analytics. Yeah. You help me with that. And he has insane amounts of data and he's just, he's got a, he, he has it, it out. he has it kind of, I wouldn't say it's still always going to be a little bit of an art, but he has the science piece of it down. So when I'm like, okay, I have this campaign and like, I am going to be judged on ROI for this mm. new drop or whatever we're doing, I go to him. But if I just need to source, say, a bunch of creators to create really cute scripted ads that our paid social team needs, I have other agencies right. that I go to or I have Good my story own storytellers, Like the, the storyteller versus the data, right? The and storyteller, the content creator. Mm. Um, yeah, being, being having worked at a lot of brands, um, I also just... You know, uh, influencers. A lot of them, their reputation precedes them. So a lot of them, they may not, they may not be sales drivers. They might not over deliver and create beautiful content. But they're just, they're it girls. The people that follow them are also really high profile. They have celebrities following them. So exposure, elevation, brand awareness, that's really great too. Are you but looking? Are you looking for those same? I mean, everything you're describing, I get for fashion. Are you looking for the same thing for Coast? I think this. I think the same. Think I think the work? same um, mindset kind of applies everywhere. I'm still learning the nuances for mm. sure about um, nutrition and protein powder is definitely its own beast that I'm. I'm still it's trying less to figure visual, out. For, for example, it's, it's you know it a lot is of less recipes, visual, right? A lot of recipes, yeah, a lot yeah. of cooking tips, things like that. Um, some of the content that works amazingly for mm. us is these influencers are so creative. It's inspiring, but they'll make like a. A Starbucks dupe or like some sort of, you know, high protein, hot mm. chocolate. And mm. like some of that content goes so viral. It just gets thousands it, and thousands so, of shares. You know, yeah. as you know, I was, I, we're staying in Airbnb with the, with Jim and Kent and I made dinner for everyone, invited everyone over and yeah. I made a TikTok dinner uh, that Very I saw. Cool. And uh, it was French onion soup pasta. How was it? <laughs> You know, I never made it before, so yeah, I always yeah. try my new recipes on friends before yeah. I shoot them. And, right, right, and it was fantastic. Oh, like so good. And and I just refl- I was reflecting on that and just everything you're talking about is I would have never you know I would have never thought of it. Oh, it's yeah. a simple thing. I just dumped some pat, but it was TikTok and social media and an influencer mm-hmm. yeah. who's probably been copied now a bunch of times came up with it. Okay, last last question about the tradecraft, mm-hmm. and then I'll get to just. I mean, I typically ask for two starts and one stop advice. This whole thing has been advice. So, um, but. You know, over the course of your career, have you seen a marginal decline in return on investment of influencers? Like, at one point, you know, the ebb and flow, their importance. But do you see influencer marketing, it's there for the long run? Do, do you have to work harder to make the same amount of money you did five years ago, for example? Or is it better, more refined, more data? You know, when you think of your tradecraft, is it harder to do what you do today? Or is it easier or more complicated? <laughs> 
I think it is way harder, mm. way more complicated, mm. way more nuanced. Um, but I will, one of the things I will say is um, I find, and now I've been doing this over 10 years, yeah. a lot of the tactics or ways that I've looked at my job and approached my job that I that I use now are kind of the intuitive ones that I used when I first started. Mm. And they're, they're influencer marketing tactics and things that I think people forget about because again, we get so caught up in like, Oh my God, scale, 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 which yeah, is yeah. great necessary um, in its own way. Yeah. And it's, it's necessary, but I can't tell you how mm -hmm. many influencers uh, we've gotten on board that have been huge ROI drivers or huge successes in their own way for different brands that I've been at mm. that we would not have been able to afford had I not taken a lot of time and a lot of bandwidth mm. to um, nurture a relationship with them and a friendship with them. So that relationship building, that one-on-one, -on -one, I still do this. Mm. Any creator that I am paying over X dollars to, I do a 30-minute phone call with them mm. or a Zoom call. So I like meet them face-to-face. -face. I send them flowers when they get pregnant. Like mm -hmm. I do those those old school PR and relationship building. Send a thank you are, note or something like that. Crazy thank stuff you like that. Right? Amazing <laughs> PR packaging. Like there all these tactics mm. I think that we can forget about as we get really like deep into these influencer marketing softwares and we're growing our affiliate programs. And sometimes it's good to take a step back and be like, oh, the best influencer. It's still human to human contact. Human right? to human contact. And th mm. these rates are crazy, right? I would say now one of the one of the big challenges, and we talked about it on stage earlier, is these rising rates. I'm seeing, I've I've seen a couple girls at my prior role, hundred thousand dollars for a reel. So one of one of the girls who knocked it out of the park for me and had delivered like a 10x ROI when I was working with her, I think three brands ago at a footwear brand I was at. Um, her her rate even back then was I think fifteen thousand dollars for an Instagram story. But I started with her. I was really transparent. I did a phone call and I was like, "Hey, girl, you're amazing. Love you. But like, could we start with a thousand plus commission?" And she so confidently took it. And then I was like, "Oh, cool. This is that's, like killing two birds with one stone." Yeah, she's yeah. so confident. I know she's gonna knock it out of yeah, the park. Yeah. She goes so, fine once once you. What, yeah, she was like, "Oh yeah, commission. Yeah, give me commission. Like I'll lower my flat rate for you." So, so I think it, it it's tough because I think there's so much one on one. There's so much nuanced work required. Mm. Um, can't just can't just throw money at a campaign and expect it to to crush it for you. You got to treat each creator really individually and tap into each one's right. individual strengths. Yeah. How do people get in touch with you? Are you a LinkedIn person? What's the best way to learn from uh, what you're doing? <laughs> I am a LinkedIn person. I am probably a little bit more of an Instagram person. Okay. I hope you don't judge me for saying that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but uh, my handle on Instagram is Nisha O. So T-H-E-N-I-S-H-A-O. Um, I'm Nisha Oza on LinkedIn. You can find me there. Um, the COS Instagram is K-O-S. Same on TikTok. K-O-S. So it's how you can get in touch with the brand and check us out. can find me. Um, I, I, I enjoy getting LinkedIn messages um, and Instagram DMs just asking me questions about, hey, like, how do you get into PR? How do you get into fashion? How do you get into nutrition? Fantastic. How do you do influencer yeah, yeah. marketing? So I'm always open to having chats. I think it's fun. Well, thanks for generous sharing your time and your insights as always. Thank and and uh, thanks so much. We're here in 
We're here live in Hollywood. I like to say that live in Hollywood. Live, Hollywood, live yeah. from Hollywood. I like to say With that. With your Mr. Megaphone voice. I love it. There you go. Is uh, it Megaphone or Movie Phone? Uh, it could Mr. Be. I movie think it's phone? Movie Phone. What, what, yeah. what movie would you like to see? <laughs> yeah. Tell me what movie you'd like, you'd like to see. <laughs> Mr. Movie Phone. Voice. Yeah, my Kramer <laughs> voice. Uh, we're live here in the uh, Stream Commerce Podcasting Studio. Thanks for your generous time. And I wish you continued success and look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you so much. It's been great. We'll chat soon. If you like this podcast, you can follow us on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google, the Amazon Podcast Channel, or your favorite podcast platform. Please rate and review with a five-star rating, and be sure and recommend us to a friend or colleague in the retail and cross-border commerce industry. You can learn more about the Global E-Commerce Leaders Forum and continue to keep up with the latest on cross-border commerce online at globalecommerceleadersforum.com. Be sure and block off your calendar for the next Gulf event in New York City, October 12th, 2023. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc, strategic retail advisor, keynote speaker and podcaster, and you can learn more about me on LinkedIn. Safe travels, everyone.